0: I'm not firing you. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Ian. Will you come forward and Adam too? Um, as uh, many of you know, and now you all will all know, th- today is Ian's last day on. St- yes, <laughs> today is Ian's last day on staff with us. Um, <laughs> uh, so Adam and I just wanted to to pray for him uh, publicly. If you guys want to stand, just put your uh, hands out to him. We want to pray. We've said our nice things. We'll say more, but we're going to pray for you right now. Do you have a mic over there? Okay. Father, we, Father, we thank you
1: for Ian. All right, We'll try this again. Father, we thank you so much uh, for Ian, for bringing him here, um, for the plans that you had for him and continue to have for him. Lord, we look at Ian and we see so many of your promises and it's easy to trust. Like in Philippians it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. And Ian, you are an example of the good work of the Father. You're an example of a man who fully trusts Jesus, who leans into Jesus, who's open to the Holy Spirit in his leading, and you have freely given away all that you have received. And we just declare that you will continue to be one who freely receives and freely gives. And uh, Luke 6, 38 uh, came to mind Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so, again, we just say that has been true, that will continue to be true. And um, Father, we thank you for the things that you have in store for Ian and Rachel in Nashville during uh, seminary and the communities that they will plug into. And so we just ask for abundant fruit, a lifetime of abundant, fruitful ministry in you.
0: And just as we're praying, Ian, I wanna say as a father in this uh, family of God, we love you. We have uh, loved you, we will continue to love you. God, I thank you that you've given us uh, wisdom to trust your heart in Ian while he's been here. And it has been a faithful heart because you have done it in and through him. And so now, Lord, we entrust you. We trust you, God, with Ian and with Rachel. We ask that you take them, that you bless them, that you fill them, that you mold them and use them. God, that you pour out your love upon them and through them. I ask in the name of Jesus for Ian and for Rachel, even a deeper capacity to know your love, a deeper capacity. And I ask that you fill every part of him, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come and bless him. And now we send you, Ian, with our blessing, with our tears, and our joy, and um, our love. And uh, Lord, anything that you have deposited in this body, as of in your church, We ask that you would release it into Ian and Rachel, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and so bless them on their journey. So, Lord, we send him now in your love and with our love, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. So now we're going to give God our heart through our offering. So there's two ways to give. They're secure. They'll be on the screen. Um, But we see it as part of our worship to the Lord. And 10% of that goes back out to local and global missions. So I'll just give you a minute. Father, I know how much you know we love you. And you love us so much. Would you take these gifts and use them for your glory to expand your kingdom? And Would you bless each giver with what you see that they need out of your abundance? But receive our praise and our worship and our tithes and offerings for you to do what you want to do with. In Jesus' name.
3: Preach after that. And thank you. Awesome. Well, good morning, uh, and even your church. Um, I know many of you know me, but if you do not, my name is Ian. I serve as the youth and small groups pastor here, and so it's it's nice to meet you, but as you heard, today is, is my, my final day here on staff, and so they gave me the opportunity to give kind of a parting message uh, to you as a church body, and so I just want to start with thanking you for how how you have impacted me each one of you I, I look around and I see so many faces and so many people's stories that I know and I just want to say like thank you thank you for for marking me thank you for for trusting me to 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 teach and preach in this house you know month after month and and, and and for trusting me to to invest in the students and, and to to run small groups and all the things that I've had the opportunity of of running here. And and so I just I, I'm I've been saying this and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, like this house has marked me. This house has marked me more than I even know. And and this is a special place. And 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 because of that, I know that I will discover for years to come the way that Indy Vineyard Church has impacted me, and each one of you have played a part in that. And as I was like preparing today, I didn't know what I was going to speak on, or, or and, and I thought I'm like I'm just going to like call everyone out that I recognize by name, and like on, by the laugh, you can say like, man, that is not what I signed up for. So. I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. But I pray that if, if we've had some convergence in my story here, that you know how thankful I am. This this, this church is so generous. I've experienced generosity with time, financial, I mean, you name it. And, and each time I, I go before the Lord and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. And so I, I just pray that you hear from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, And like I said, I'm not going to preach or, you know, thank name by name, but but please just hear it. And I could go on and on about how much I've been formed here. The youth leaders, man, thank you. Thank you, youth leaders, and, and, and investing in the lives of the students. I mean, guys, it is no joke to be in youth ministry and week after week they're showing up and devoting their lives to our students and and can we just like who was here for you Sunday last week can we make some noise if you were just like blessed by you Sunday oh my goodness I was telling them, I'm like, hey, you guys start a church. I'm going. Like, I will be there. Like, and I'm so, and they did it. It was it was them. And so I want to honor them. And then Rachel for leading us again for for worship this morning. You're amazing. She ushers in the presence. And that's because she's cultivated the secret place. I mean, she's met Jesus in the secret place. And we get the benefit of that. And so that and small group leaders and staff and every one of you just like, thank you. I need to preach a message. So I'm going to move on. Um, but one thing you, you might have noticed is the senior slides going through uh, this morning. So today is senior send-off, and what that means is this is the seniors' uh, last day in youth group. So tonight we're going to pray for them and bless them. And so I just want to, if, if you're a graduate, if you'll just stand if you're in here, um, and, okay, uh, we have a couple. There's more, but yeah, Rachel, you can, you can stand up. So I think we, ha- we're, we have five graduates that we're graduating that I've had the privilege of walking with the past four years. And I, I told them this morning, but man, I'm so proud of you guys. Like, you have grown in the Lord. You have taught me more things about the kingdom of God than you will ever know. And so I just want to bless them and kind of commission them out as they go to, to build kingdom where all of them are going. Some in Florida, some in Muncie, some in Bloomington and here in Indianapolis. And so if you'll just extend a hand if, if they're nearby and, and we have a couple of seniors that aren't here that will be here tonight and you can extend it out wherever they are. And so I just want to bless them. Holy Spirit. We thank you for the graduates of this youth ministry. Lord, we thank you that you have taught them and empowered them. Holy Spirit, we we ask that you would come upon them right now in Jesus' name, that you would send them out with power, Lord, I thank you that you have taught them what it looks like to be a wholehearted, devoted lover of Jesus in this season. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to bring a healthy Christian community around them at their their universities, at, at the ballet, at everywhere that they're going. And Lord, we launch them out with thankfulness in what you've done in this place. And Lord, but we thank you that their story has just begun. And, Lord, we just cannot wait to see how you use them, how you use Rachel, how you use Abby, how you use Sam, how you use Jace, how you use uh, uh, Alyssa, how you use every single one of our, of our, of our graduates, Lord. We, we thank you. We thank you for this time. And so, Lord, would with the things that have been deposited in them, would you give them the fervency to give it away to others? So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We bless them. We commission them out as missionaries of this house of Indy Vineyard Church to go and bring kingdom to their campuses, to their friends, to share the gospel, to share the power of Jesus. We're thankful for them. We honor them, and we love them, Lord. We just thank you for, for all you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Love you guys. So like I said, I I, I really didn't know what I was going to preach on. I even had the idea, I'm going to listen back to my first sermon, and I'm going to re-preach it with all the stuff that I've learned, which I got about 15 minutes in and I had to turn it off. I was like, I can't even do this. And so um, what I am going to be 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 Kind of teaching on and just giving to you is, is something the Lord. I, it was kind of getting down to the wire. It was last week. I'm like, Lord, what is it? Like, what, what, what do you want to give to any of your Church? And on my last Sunday, and I was in a prayer room on Thursday morning. The Lord just started like just dropping things, and and I and I had this picture as I was praying, and it was this picture. Who, who here has seen the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? So a wonderful film, amazing film. You know that 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 uh, word there, like all stone, and then Aslan walks by, and he just breathes on them, and it's like goosebumps and tears, and and you're just like, Aslan, you know, Jesus, the the son of God, the the lion of Judah, like, come on, and it just just evokes in me. I I had that DVD growing up, and I watched little random, I watched all the bonus features. Who here's a bonus feature kind of person? Good, okay, those are my people. I mean, I I watched them way too much. But I had this picture, and it was this. It was this picture of that. Uh, it was me, and I saw parts of my body that were like in a cocoon, and they were like they were like stone. And then there were certain aspects of my of my body that were not, and they were moving. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? And and I just felt him say, "In the, the things that are moving, the the things that, that 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 you have put to use are not hardened over, but the things that you have ignored have, have become hardened." And and, and I I realized and, and as I was praying I'm like what 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 do you want to give away and and my encouragement you many of you know me like I'm an action guy like I'm, like let's go get them let's share the gospel like I want to do 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 and one thing this house has taught me so beautifully is the the power of being right it's not just doing but it's also being life in the kingdom is not either or it's both and and we have to have both and so as he was giving me this, this picture, he started teaching me specifically about the heart. And what is the heart and what does it mean? And, 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 and what, is, what does it look like to have a heart that's completely devoted for Jesus? Because that's, that's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for above all. So what was Ian? He was someone who was wholeheartedly in love with Jesus. In my heart, if, if, if I deposited anything into this house, it's that you would know that you can experience a breakthrough, you can experience freedom, you can experience life abundantly, full and complete life. If you would just devote your whole being and heart to loving and adoring Jesus. That's that's what I that's what I want us to get. Now, is there nuance in that? Yes. Are we called to make disciples? Yes. Are we called to, to preach the gospel? Yes. But but it's an overflow of love because we love, we talk about what we love, right? If you love your kids, you you know the person who can't stop talking about their kids, and that's a beautiful thing. But you're like, man, you love them, and every sentence is about your kids. <laughs> or for me, for a long time, it was Taco Bell. Like I was always talking about Taco Bell. I didn't have kids, so don't worry, I would love my kids way more than Taco Bell. But when you love something, you can't help but talk about it, and so that's what I I want us to to hear and 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 to. To to really dive into. And so today, if you would like, just find your heartbeat, like whether it's on your chest, whether it's here. I'm not a medical person, so I think this is a good one. I think this is another good one. That's all I know. Maybe you can feel it here. My heart's beating pretty fast. I've been preaching, so I can feel it. And just feel your heartbeat. I'm just gonna be silent. Just feel it. Feel it beating. What's your heart doing? It's pumping blood. It's keeping you alive. It's pumping oxygen to your brain. It's doing what it was designed to do. It's, it's beating, and we all have different heartbeats, but you can feel it. This is your life source. And the question I want us to ask and keep your hands, you feel your heartbeat, is simply this question What is your heart beating for? That's it. It's not a big idea. It's not a big thing. It's it's just this question: What is your heart beating for? Who's it beating for? And today we're just gonna unpack that. What does it mean that my heart is beating for something or someone? And and my heart and my my desire and and the calling of the Lord on not just His house but us as people of God is is for our hearts to beat for Jesus. It's to beat for Christ and Christ alone. That nothing should should be higher than the person of Jesus on this list. Your heart. Beating, it's, it's for Jesus. And so I want you to be asking yourself that question as we, we continue through this message. What's your heart beating for? And I encourage you, really look inwardly with honesty because we can say one thing, but then when we look at our lives, we see our heart is actually beating for something else. So be honest. What, what's your heart beating for? Who is it beating for? So, a couple things about the heart. One, Um, In the Old Testament, um, all throughout Scripture, the way the Hebrews, the way the people of Israel viewed the heart is very different than how we would view it. So, we kind of look at the heart, and we would say that, you know, it's an organ, but but they would look at the heart. They almost looked at it as like the control center of the the human being. Like it was like the center of the human because they believe that your heart housed not just uh, not just from like an an organ standpoint, but it housed your will, it housed your emotions, it housed all of your feelings, wisdom. It actually stemmed from the heart. Discernment. It stemmed from the heart. Every single thing. All of your desires. All of your affections. Everything was a it was an overflow of what was in your heart and in fact they didn't even have a technical word for the word brain and so like in 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 the bible we don't like we see the word mind but the actual like organ brain we don't see that and so even your thoughts they would say were housed within your heart and so i want us to put on kind of that worldview as we talk about the heart to recognize this means so much more than we think it means and there's so much robustness in this idea of, of what our heart is actually longing for. In fact, what I read in the in the welcome uh, from Deuteronomy, uh, what was it? Deuteronomy 4, or, or sorry, Deuteronomy 6, 4. It's, it's uh, this, this old Hebraic uh, prayer. It's called the Shema. And, and many of you have heard it. Love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? What's our first calling? It's 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 to love the Lord, your God. And then Jesus, we see in Matthew, he, he then says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. But first, love me. I mean, it's in the, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me. What is it? Our calling, first and foremost, is to love the Lord, to love God. And, and so what they would do is they would literally say this prayer morning and night. They were always reminded where their first love was, which was who? It was the Lord. And anytime they got confused, anytime they got distracted, anytime they got divided in their devotion, they would, they would remind and end their day saying, oh yeah, it's, it's love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my being, with all the center of, of, of who I am. There's a really good video uh, by the Bible Project. And I love, love the Bible Project. And I encourage you to go and check it out. They they have a video on the heart. And it's just like a deep word study. And so you can learn all about it and kind of how they would have viewed in Scripture the heart. But but one, like, kind of, uh, I've changed it a little bit. But for the most part, it's the same. This definition of the heart, which I, I really love, it's this. The heart is where you make choices which are informed by your desires. It's the place where you make choices. It's the place that, that we, we experience overflow of our heart. Proverbs 4, right? It talks about guarding your heart for everything that you do, it flows from it. That means that the heart is the center and all that we do is flowing from this place. Flowing out of this, what is this? It's 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 the center of your affections. It's it's where your affections are housed. Your loves, your attachments. That's your heart. It's it's what and it's who you love. It's it's what you do. It's what you desire. And so, what we're going to do, if, if you have your Bibles, we're just going to kind of dive into to the book of Ezekiel, uh, specifically uh, chapter eleven. So. You can turn with, uh, if, whether it's your device or it's, uh, you know, your physical Bible, but this is where we're going to be camping most of today. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 18 through 21. And it's so important we understand that that every book of the Bible, every passage has a specific context. And so Ezekiel was... was was to the people of Israel and surrounding nations and the book of Ezekiel has a lot to do with judgment for they they had they had basically devoted themselves to idols they devoted themselves to things that were not of god and and Ezekiel is is kind of like here's God's judgment upon you but then also it's it's a book of of prophetic vision for what what the people of God could be and so this specific verse is, is speaking to the people of God to Israel and so I, I believe, you know, sometimes that we have passages that are prescriptive. Some are, you know, we can infuse ourselves into the passage. Other times we just read it and we say, okay, this was to a specific people. But since God is speaking to, to his people, to the Israelites, I believe that, that he also can speak this to us as God's people, as followers of Jesus. So let's just read this together. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Man, I, I, I love this. This is so rich and, and so beautiful. So what have, what have the people of God done? They've devoted themselves to things that were not of him. And then he goes and, and he says, I will give you an undivided heart. What, what's, a, what's an undivided heart? An undivided heart is one that's in focus. An undivided heart is, is one that's on purpose. It's saying that, that I know what my heart is meant to do, and I'm not going to become distracted by the things of the world. I'm not going to be divided. I'm going to be in purpose and focus to the calling that the Lord has placed before me. And then it goes on and he says, and I will put a new spirit in them. It says in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says anyone in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. What does that mean? It means that if you have professed Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, it actually means that you are new. How often do we look at our old nature as who we are when that's not true? Jesus sees us as new. He sees us as sons. He sees us as daughters. He sees us uh, not as slaves, but of those who are free. He sees us as saints. That's the calling. That's who we are. That's our identity. How often do we look at our old nature as truly who we are when we're called to look at our new nature? And so we look at at truly who we are and, and who is that? It's new and it says, I will give you a new spirit. Who here, I mean, you don't even have to raise your hands. We can all attest, like, we've experienced fatigued spirits these past three, four years, right? I mean, it's been tiring, and, and, and COVID, and it keeps happening, and then it's done, and, 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 and it's been so exhausting, and sometimes I'm just like, Lord, I just, I just, I know you've put a new spirit in me, but would you give me new eyes to see the spirit that you've placed in me, the, the Holy Spirit, that I, that, that, that I have received the same spirit that actually rose Jesus from the grave, The the Holy Spirit, who has the power to bring dead things to life, is living within you. And how often do we have the thoughts of "Well, I just can't do it"? Well, good thing it's not us that does it; it's the Spirit in us that actually wants to partner with us and and walk out in our day to day. What a gift! And and then it goes on. And 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 I used to really struggle with this. I'm just going to be fully honest. I always struggled like a heart of stone because. I know that a heart of stone doesn't really do much. Maybe it would make a good paperweight or like HGTV, like, you know, it's a good like center place of a, that's actually not a bad idea. So just give me royalties if you make a, I don't know, some art of of a heart. I don't know. But I, but I know, like we know, we can recognize that it doesn't really serve much of a purpose, right? Like it's not beating, it's not really doing anything. But then when I see the heart of flesh, I would always struggle with that because we see throughout the rest of Scripture, the rest of the Bible, what is the flesh? I mean, in 1 John, we see the flesh, it's, you know, lust of the flesh. It's these like innate desires in us as men and, and, and women that, that, that are just like not healthy, that aren't good, they're, they're not the way of God. And so when I would read that, I was like, Okay, I don't I don't know if I want that, but but what is flesh? Uh, flesh. It's our first. Uh, it's our, our first kind of protection in our immune system. It's our, it's it's tender when you touch your flesh. I mean, you can you can feel it, right? A heart of flesh is tender to sin. A heart of flesh is, is one that's easily convicted. It looks to Jesus and says, wow, I, I'm not walking the way that you have called me to walk. A, a, a heart of flesh is, is responsible. Ultimately, what does a heart of flesh do? A heart of flesh, ultimately, it does what it's designed to do, and that's it beats. It's beating. It's pumping blood. It's giving oxygen to our, to our mind, to our brain. And, and, and a heart of flesh, it does what it's been designed to do. And I know many of us would say, okay, Ian, my, my, my heart is beating for the things of God. But maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe your heart isn't beating for, for, for the ways of the Lord. But one, one thing I love here in verse 20, then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. You know what I see here? It's not that we keep his laws. It's not that we follow script. It's not that we do all the right things and then we get a new heart. What comes first? We get a new heart, and then we follow the decrees of the Lord. We so often get it reversed. Nolan said it so beautifully last week during Youth Sunday. He said, I realized that it wasn't about sinning. It It was just about loving Jesus, and then I can't help but want to please him because I have a new heart, and a new heart beats for one thing and one thing only, and that's the person of Jesus. And as it's beating for the person of Jesus, I actually want to live my life to please him. All of a sudden, all of this—this what I used to thought was a rule book—actually becomes a love letter. And because it becomes a love letter, all I want to do is is be affectionate towards Jesus. And as I'm loving Him, I I want to follow His ways. We get the order mixed up. But many of us, you know, we would say that okay, well, I'm not. My heart's not necessarily beating for the wrong things. And the enemy, what is he? We, guys, we have, we have a real enemy who's out. What, what does he do? He steals, he kills, he destroys, he's a deceiver. And I think sometimes what happens with our hearts is our hearts are beating. And, and we look at this passage and we say, okay, I don't have a heart of stone. My heart's beating. But our heart is, is actually beating for the wrong things. And because our heart's beating for the wrong things, we actually take that and say, well, then I must be good we've 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 misaligned what our hearts are meant to to be be beating for, because here's the thing: a misaligned beating heart is still a heart of stone if it's not truly aligned with the things of god like it's it's not actually truly beating it's not a true heart of flesh and what God has called us to to to, to, to do and, and to beat after him. I was having a conversation with my wife Rachel, and we were we were at the t- the dinner table and she had just learned how to give CPR and and she'd been trained before but she was like getting a re- a refresher cuz she's working in preschool and and I was a- I was astounded and she said so the breath is like really important but the most important part in CPR is is the heartbeat because we can go a a decent amount of time without without breathing we can hold our breath right but our heart we can't beat in and-, and the amount of even minutes if our heart bar- starts beating we we, we lose brain capacity that, that, that can't get recovered. So the heart is so important. That is, and, and even in AED, you know, when, when it's, we rub it together and, and we put it on. and It's not for flat-lined hearts. You know what it's for? It's for hearts that are beating but aren't beating in the correct rhythm. And so what do we do is we, we shock it so it gets back into the correct rhythm because that heart actually is not serving the purpose that it's meant to be serving. It's not—it's beating. I mean, I don't really know how to read. I like—I know the sound from the TV shows, but I—I I wouldn't know what I'm looking at if it was in front of me. So thank you, Lord, for for medical people. Thank you. I'm thank you. But I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. But what does it do? Is it—is it shocks it to get in line and beating for the thing that was actually meant to be pumping blood and, and the purpose that it's serving. And I think many of us we we're not necessarily going to beat for the wrong things. So St. Augustine, who's a really, really popular theologian and a writer, you might have heard the name before, he talked about this idea of, of misordered loves. And so what, what he is referring to is he says many people that we would say are good or even like Christian or whatever it is, we all here would probably say, okay, Ian, yeah, my heart's not like beating for like, uh, for stealing. Like, I, I'm, I'm not about that or, or, or whatever it is. Many people would, would attest. I mean, we can all agree, like murder, not okay. And so you would come to me and say, you know, I think it's beating for pretty good things. But he would say that the problem is not what your uh, heart is beating for, but specifically it's that your heart is beating for the right things in the wrong order. You get me? It's saying the things that were good has become God. You shall have no other gods before me. And that includes good things. And so Tim, Tim Keller, he, he talks a lot about this, this idea of misordered loves. Here's what he says. He says, for when we ask whether somebody is a good person, we are not asking what he believes or hopes for, but what he loves. We've just gotten the order mixed up. A good way to to, to see how this this order maybe has been misordered or or misaligned is a phrase that many of us have probably said. Maybe we've thought. I I definitely have, so I'll just tell on myself, I'll be happy when blank. You thought this one? I'll be happy when blank. And let's just put good things. Let's not put bad things. Let's just say, I'll be happy when I finally get that pay raise. I'll be happy when I finally get that promotion. I'll be fi- happy when I finally get that job that I've wanted. I'll be happy when I finally meet my spouse. I'll be happy when my family is finally complete and we don't just have one kid; we have four kids. I'll, I'll be happy when, fill it in. Those are all good things. Guys, life and, and, and having kids and, and getting married and, 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 and financial success and financial stewardship and, and, and all of these things are, are good things, but they're not meant to be ultimate things. And if in that place, and like I have lived where Jesus has not been in that blank, but if you've said that or thought that recently, then you can actually self-evaluate and say, okay, I've misordered my loves. I've, I've misordered, I've put something above the place that God has called and he is meant to be, which is love him first. It's, it's loving Jesus First. Because the the longing of a of a misaligned heart, it's it's ultimately it's gonna lead to unattainable happiness. Like all of these things are good. These things are, are not bad things, but they will not ultimately make you happy. They're they're fleeting. Because then what happens? Then we fill in the blank with something else. We put something else in its place, and we, we say, this, this is what I want now. Well, I guess it worked for a couple of years, but not any longer. And so that's how we can authentically ask and, and kind of look in ourselves, because the only thing that, that we can achieve true happiness, or not even happiness, but true joy, like actually experience joy is is when Jesus is our first and primary love. When when we are we are beating with all that we are for him and the things of him. And yes, can we want these other things absolutely, but let's not put them in the wrong order. It's so key that that we get this. And Jesus, what's he going to do? He's going he's going to give it to us. Like he 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 is there and I'll put it this way. Imagine that Jesus is, is at the center of this room right now. And we're, maybe you have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you don't. But I think we so often picture that in this walk with Jesus that, that he's the one. He's always moving around and he's hard to kind of land down. What does it say? It says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Which means he's in a place. He is there. He's seated in the relationship between Christ and us he is not the moving one we are like we're moving around and we're we're, we're getting distracted and we're, we're we're misaligning our loves and and i don't know what necessarily comes first like sometimes it's Jesus there, and sometimes we approach him first. Sometimes we go up, and we're curious. Maybe you're here, and you're hearing this, and you're like, this guy's weird. Like, he's talking about this guy Jesus, but I've never actually seen him before, Like, besides like the European pictures, and I don't know if that's what he looks like. I don't think that's what he looks like. Definitely not. I'll just say it's not what he looks like. And we have this picture, and we're like, okay, and then maybe you start approaching with curiosity, but but so often what happens when we authentically approach the person of Jesus, desire for him will follow. Or sometimes desire will lead us to approach him. I don't know. It's not like a first, second thing. I don't, I don't know which comes first, but then we sit at the feet of Jesus and we say, wow, you're, you're so much better than I could ever, ever imagine. And, and I understand why my, my soul calling is to love you first because you are, you're, you're, you're higher, you're, you're, you're more holy, you're, you're more worthy. The fact that you would self-sacrificially die on the cross for me, I can't even fathom it. And I think what happens is, is it's so, like, we're the moving targets. It's not him. He's there. He's ready for us. I was praying a couple months ago, and I, I, out of my mouth came, like, Lord, I feel uh, close to you, but I don't feel near to you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel close to you, but I don't feel near to you. And, and I didn't know why. It kind of, like, came out. It was one of those things I had to process as I was praying, and I was like, Lord, I don't fully understand what this means. And I started realizing that, that closeness has to do with proximity, but nearness has to do with intimacy. Those who are married can attest to this. You can be close proximity to your spouse and never actually be intimate. You can live in the same home and, and be physically close to lots of people and never feel known, never feel seen. And so I realized that, that I had been in proximity with Jesus so much, but I actually hadn't been intimate with him. I hadn't been near to him. I hadn't invited him into the quiet place and say, Jesus, just, just come in and I want to meet you and, and, and thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. And so my invitation to, to you is, is that you would be near to Jesus, not just close. How often? I think one thing that, 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 that saddens my heart is, is the church So often people who attend church come in and and settle for proximity with the Lord and never experience true intimacy with him. You could experience that here. The presence of God is here. I mean, it's evident. The Lord is here. And so we can come in and we can actually be satisfied and say, I've been in the presence of God and go out and never be changed in our life. And the reason we haven't been changed is because we haven't been intimate with him. We haven't been near to him. And you know what intimacy requires? It requires invitation. And we're the ones that is invitational to Jesus. He's a gentleman. He's not going to come in and say, I just want. Now, does he want your heart more than anything? Yes. But more than anything, he wants your heart. But, but he's not going to force you to give it to him. We are the ones that's invitational to Jesus. And so intimacy and nearness, what does it require? It requires invitation of the person of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you, I want to love you, I want to be with you, you're worth it all. And then as we invite him, it it requires vulnerability because so oftentimes what do we have to do? We have to be authentically vulnerable with Jesus and say, I don't have it all together. The amount of times that I've tried to have it together with Jesus, like, no, I'm pretty good. Like, I just memorized that verse this week, so I'm fine, thank you, like, I'm good, and you know what he does? He just sits. He says, okay. And then next week I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, thanks. And he's like, okay, that's fine. And then all of a sudden I, I'm i in my car and I start feeling this, this feeling that I've been avoiding for for weeks and maybe months. And I go, wow, I'm just feeling this, this emotion that I didn't know was here. Jesus, I need you. And he says, I know. <laughs> I've been waiting. But Every single time I invite him into that place. And so would we be a church, would we be a people that invites Jesus into places of intimacy in our lives? Places of honest and raw emotion. One thing Rachel, my wife, always says is emotions lead us to honesty before God. They're like they're informative to say, wow, it just it it means that I get to come to Jesus and say, like, this is what's going on in me. And one way to, to see if you're trusting in the Lord with, with all of your heart. Is, is he at the forefront? Yeah, we have the, the happiness piece, but you know when it's really tested? It's when we experience like a heart palpitation. In other words, what I mean is like all of a sudden we, we experience offense. Who here has been offended in the past two years? Okay, good. I saw everyone, all right? Who here has been hurt by someone in the past few years? It can be a friend, it can be a family. We've been hurt. The way that we see if if our heart is truly beating for Christ and Christ alone so often is the most revealed in those times of testing. Because we can say, and we... And I mean it like, Jesus, no, my heart is beating for you and you alone. And then all of a sudden your spouse says something and you just didn't even know that you could be that annoyed with that small of a thing. But it just like gets under your skin. And like, and I'm not even that, like, I love my wife and we've been married like not that long. But I, I, like, it, it can happen or it can happen with a friend or it can happen with a sibling or family member. We experience that offense. And what happens when we all of a sudden experience testing to what our heart is beating for? does it quickly realign with the heart of Jesus? Or does all of a sudden it show where our true allegiance and love's lie? And I just want you to authentically ask because because it's in those moments. And what I found is is the more I love Jesus, the more I I sit at his feet, the more I'm with him authentically, the more I, I sit with him, the more I realize that in those moments I start to look more like Jesus. Now I got a long way to go. But, The person that I am today is way different than the person I was four years ago. Like I said, I was listening to my message, and, like, for 15 minutes, I'm, like, telling jokes, I'm showing memes, and, like, that's great. But I just was like, love me, Indie Vineyard Church. Like, please like me. I'm trying to win, like, approval. And now I'm just up here, like, I don't really care. Just love Jesus, But that's only come from sitting at his feet day after day, week after week, month after month. And the times that I mess up, I say, yeah, I I really misordered my loves there. And all I need to do is I need to come back. I need to repent and say, I'm sorry I messed up. I messed that conversation up. And then when I'm in those times of testing and in those conversations, I start looking more. And I haven't done it perfectly. Even this week, I haven't done it perfectly. But what happens, the more you love Jesus, you look more like him. You might've heard it this way. We become what we behold. You heard that one? In uh, 2 Corinthians uh, three, it, it talks about as we behold the image of Christ, we actually start to look more like Jesus. As we worship Him, as we exalt Him, as as we we get on our knees before Jesus and say, "I just I want to I just want to put oil on your feet. I want to put perfume at your feet." I all of a sudden I start smelling like the perfume of praise that I put on. I've heard Bill Johnson say this before, like. Uh, the, you know, the, the woman with the alabaster jar, she comes in and breaks perfume at the feet of Jesus. It's beautiful. It's this beautiful picture of sacrifice. And what did she do? She did it just to worship Jesus. But they walked out of the room, and that woman smelt just the same as Jesus. And so would we go to the secret place and love him? And, and here's the thing, you know, like, I'm passionate about sharing the gospel. I'm passionate about, about discipleship. I'm passionate about so many of these things. But the only reason that I'm passionate about those is because, first, I have fallen head over heels in love with Jesus. And I can't help not talk about the people I love. There's a podcast I was listening to last week, and they were talking about you know it's not our behaviors it's not our it's not not our thoughts it's not our doctrine you know the thing that forms our character the most it's the people that we're attached to in other words it's the people we love you've probably heard it said that you you know show me your five closest friends and i'll show you your future who you're attached to it it helps form us and it it, it determines the trajectory of our life and so my 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 thing is would your heart just beat for the person of Jesus? Would, it, would you fall down at your feet and just lavish him with love, lavish him with praise? And so what I, I want to do is, 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 as we kind of come to a close, my encouragement to you, I mean, this was really a message of exhortation, just like, I mean, it's like, love Jesus, but like how do I how do I specifically know and so I'm not even going outside of my bible but the, the concordance at the back of my NIV bible talks about characteristics of of a heart of flesh or or, or a regenerate heart in other words a heart that has devoted themselves and is beating for Christ and Christ alone. And so it's going to pop up on the screen. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. If you want them, my notes will be online here, here later. And I just, I just want us to like authentically ask, okay, is, is this me? Is, is this what my heart is, is looking like? And so what, what, does, what does a heart of flesh do It cries out to the living God. And you can see there's, there's verses with this. So like I said, you can go back to YouTube and screenshot it, whatever. A heart of flesh, it cries out for the living God. It seeks God. It responds to God. It trusts in the Lord. It loves the Lord. It praises the Lord. It sings to the Lord. It rejoices in the Lord. It rejoices in salvation. It's grateful to God. It obeys God's law. It hides God's word within. It's on fire for God's word. It meditates on God and his word. It's upright. It speaks the truth. It's steadfast and secure. It's pure. It's wise. It's sincere. It's unafraid. It's contrite. It walks blamelessly. A heart of flesh, it loves others. That's, that's what a heart of flesh does. And, and so you can look in your own heart, is my heart doing this? As I'm beating for the person of Jesus, am I becoming more like this? What about maybe you're, you're not in relationship with Jesus and, and, or, or maybe you are and all of a sudden there's, you, you, you realize that your loves have been misaligned. What about that? And just look with, with sober judgment. Here's some characteristics of a, of a heart of stone. It's proud. Yeah, that one hit me really bad it's foolish, it's deceitful, it's rebellious, it's perverse, it's evil, it's wicked, it's calloused, it's malicious, it's hardened, it's darkened, it's deluded, it's unrepentant, it's unbelieving, it's gone astray, it's devoted to idols, it's filled with schemes to do wrong, it's filled with madness, it's far from God. The way I want to end this is The beautiful picture, because here's the thing: it's not about us. We love because He first loved us. So our love and adoration for Jesus is simply a response to what He did for us on the cross. And this is how I want to end: it's God's relationship to the human heart. This is how He views you. And I'm just going to say it directly to you, because this is Him speaking to the people of God, to Indivinier Church today. God, He He knows your heart. He searches your heart. He tests your heart. He influences your heart. He directs your heart. He opens your heart. He touches your heart. He makes light shine on your heart. He cleanses your heart. He writes his law on your heart. He strengthens your heart. He keeps your heart loyal. He gives you a new heart. want to read this to you and imagine this is the Lord speaking to you and actually just close your eyes. I want you to imagine this is the Lord this is the Lord our God. The one true God in the Shema. That's what it says it. The one God he is speaking this to you in your heart and this is what he desires he says I will give you I will give you an undivided heart. I will put a new spirit in you I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Then you will follow my decrees, and you will be careful to keep my laws. You won't have to strive. You won't have to do the right things. You won't have to have to check off the list and try your very hardest to never sin again. He's going to give you a new heart, and you're going to want to please him. You will be my people, and I will be your God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Ministry team, if you would, if you would come up and band, there's this beautiful song that has gripped my heart for the past probably year and a half, and it's the most simple song, and it's, I don't have much, this is the chorus. This is it. I don't have much, but I have a heart that beats for you. That's it. It's what I have for you. I don't have much, but I have a heart that beats for you. The verse is How can I respond to the love that you have lavished on me? I don't have much, but I have a heart that beats for you. So Jesus, would we be a people where our hearts beat for you and you alone? Lord, I thank you that, that you are giving each of us new hearts, that, that you are restoring in us a love and an adoration for you and you alone. So Lord, would we respond to this? Would If we're feeling a, a stirring or the Holy Spirit's just saying, I wanna give you a new heart today, Lord. Would today be a marker in our, in our faith journey with you that says, today is the day that I decided it's not about me anymore and it's only about you, Jesus. I wanna love you like that weird guy on the stage loves you. In fact, I wanna love you even more. I wanna see how much can I love you today? How much can I love you in my week? How much can I love you this month and this year? I just want to respond to the love you lavished on me as you died on the cross for my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize that that I've messed up. But Lord, I thank you that you have made me new. Anyone in Christ Jesus is a new creation. And so maybe even as I, I say that, you're you're just, even that far from God piece, you're recognizing, man, my heart is far from God. I want to be close to him. Would you not leave without getting prayer, whether it's emotional, physical, it doesn't matter, but would would you come forward and, and, and you can even talk to me and say, I I I want a relationship with Jesus. I've been far from God and I feel like I was here in this building for a purpose and that purpose is to start a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what it looks like, but I want it. Would you tell me more? Come up, get prayer. And would the Lord give you a new heart today? Would he instill in you a, a deep love and adoration for the person of Jesus? And even your church, would you be marked as a house that is first and foremost ordered its loves? with God at the forefront. Jesus, our heart wants to beat for you. And so show us how, show us how we can have a beating heart for you. I'm just gonna say back so you can come forward and, forward and get prayer. We're just gonna take about a minute just in the presence of the Lord just to respond. And then I'll close us. So Holy Spirit, just say, come minister to us. If you want a uh, personal prayer art, you can go over there and, and get uh, some, some art prayer that they'll pray over and give to you it's really really powerful so just come forward respond ask the lord to give you a new heart just give us a new heart lord Beat for you and you alone. We want to love you. We want to adore you. We want to give you our lives. We set down idols that we've we've made. We set down even the good things that we've made become gods. And we say, Jesus, be at the forefront of our life. Jesus, we love you. Our heart just wants to beat for you. Give us a new heart in this place. Instill in us new spirits. Instill in us undivided hearts. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. It's in your name. Amen. I encourage you, do not leave without getting prayer. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Thank you, and you've your church. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm blessed by this house.